This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, hello. Welcome hello. back. <laughs> How you doing? Not bad. Pretty good. On a bit, a bit. The chat we've just had in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Nice, so, um, nice chat. That's um, a weird way. Was a nice chat, I think. Yeah, this is a very um, unique. I think is the right word. Episode for us. Um, obviously, we're um, we're coming up to the. The game at the end of month end of the month, 28th of May, the um the game honouring Chris Barker, the game for Barks as it is officially being billed. Yeah, so we're joined by Reese Evans, obviously former goalkeeper and a teammate of Barks, um, Craig Berry, who has connections to Chris from his time at QPR, and Mark Rivers, who uh, met Chris at Plymouth Argyle, and Mark now does. Um, some well, he works for Arsenal now, but he does a lot um, involving mental health as well. So uh, three, three guests that all, um, well, I think we we would agree that it, it married together quite nicely for um, for a very important chat. Um, as I say, this is a very different uh, vibe to the episodes we'd we'd usually bring you. Um, and you know, just just be warned, potential. A potential trigger warning. I don't know. That that might be a bit over the top, but I'm just putting it out there because the episode obviously involves um, the conversation of suicide and mental health struggles. So um, yeah, do with that information what you will, really. But um, still, still a very important message to get across. Yeah, I think there's some there's some really good stories. Obviously, if, if people do listen to it, they'll, they'll hear it. But I think there's some there's obviously some great stories about him. But there's a really good message at the end of it, really. You're know, always a good message throughout, and I think that that's the most important part, really. Yeah, and uh, obviously, you, if you listen to the episode, you'll hear it. But there's there's something that I want to mention quite quickly, and then and then we'll get into it. We don't want to take up too much of your time with with this intro. But it's um, as I said, Mark does a lot of work involving um, mental health now, and there's some stats that he um, he reads out during the interview where he says. So was it something between the region of 70 and 75% of women um, get diagnosed with uh, some form of depression or anxiety? Um, but then you flip those figures on its head for, for men when it comes to actual suicide. 
So that's quite a drastic switch, you know, of, of those figures. And I think what, when he said that, what really stood out to me was, I think, yeah, it's gender stereotypes a little bit, but to me, and in my experience, women and girls will rally around each other completely differently to men. That's not, that's not to suggest that groups of men aren't close mates, but um, I'm trying to think of an example. Let's take, take a relationship breakup. Yeah, I think the, the women would completely rally around that girl that split up with her partner and they'd open up completely there and then. They'd have a cry they'd and they'd go out and have a drink together and and they'd deal with it almost there and then a man would suppress that i think and i think when so yeah we'd we'd go out in a, in a group like i know i'm this is literally what we what we'll do but how many times would would we honestly sit there and go like you you were right today like i like because you would you do that yeah i'm all right how are you it's like, no you have you have got to ask twice and um yeah so that 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 alarmed me those um those stats that he read out that yeah between 70 and 75 percent of um of women will be diagnosed with with some form of anxiety or depression um but you know flip the gender for for actual suicide which is quite scary so I guess what I am saying is, if you are if you are a bloke, don't um, don't suppress it. Well, I think on that point, let's um, let's just let's just get the, uh, the the chat rolling anyway. Let's just go into it, yeah. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub One Hundred. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, anyway, boys, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I really, really appreciate this. Um, yeah, so I guess basically that we're, um, we're here for, uh, for a little bit of promo um, for the upcoming game for Barks at the end of this month. Uh, but obviously, due to various COVID restrictions over the last two years, this is the first summer we've had the chance to actually do it. Um, but, you know, I certainly don't feel it's lost any value in those two years. And would you agree there's still a very important message to send by, by doing this game? I don't know what the other guys think, but I think, yeah, I think it's changed. I think if it had been when it was originally planned, I think it would have been a lot rawer. I think it would have been very... Personally, I think it had much been much more an emotional event because I think it has still been very fresh in, in everybody's minds. I think I can't speak for Craig or Mark, but I think for me, I think obviously at the time is a is a great healer, isn't it? You know, so I think this now probably is more of a celebration, really, and 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 the focus probably more so on 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 some good coming out of this 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 awful thing. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't, I, again, I, you know, I'll let the other guys make their comments, but I don't think Chris would be particularly comfortable with. The focus on him as such, he wasn't that kind of, he wasn't ego driven in any way, really. You know, I think the focus, much even if he was involved in it in some way, would be about maximizing the event, making as much money as we can to try and hopefully help it happen, stop it happening from some other poor person, you know. So, again, I don't know what the other guys think, but that's that's my view on it, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with you, Reese. I think I think obviously it was no one's fault that we've had this time lapse, but I think for sure it's probably enhanced um, what's going to come out of the game. Uh, like Reese said, you know, I think if it would have been sort of quite soon in the aftermath of what happened, I think it, there would have been a lot of emotions and, and and maybe a bit of sadness where where I'm sure there's going to be uh, you know a lot of emotions in in the game, but but for better reasons, more of a celebration. Um, and I was actually sitting here thinking about what, what Bark to think. <laughs> I was also talking about him and the game, and, and it would not be up his street at all. Uh, but, but I think if anyone deserves it, he does. Yeah, just, just from my point of view, really, um, I didn't know Chris as, as well as Reese and, um, and Craig. Um, we, we worked together for, for a couple of seasons down at Plymouth Argyle, but... <clears throat> um, I, I totally echo what what both the lads have said. Um, you know, certainly this this sort of lapse in time really is certainly myself. It's enabled me to reflect and, and look on some look upon some wonderful stories um, that just sort of make me smile. And I often ring Craig up and we have a chat about them and just sort of reminisce really. Um, but perhaps uh, uh, you know, in the early stages, it was a bit too raw to do anything like that. But um, yeah, just look back very fondly now. Definitely. How did you all sort of individually meet, meet Chris? I'm sure it's obviously true football, but, you know, I mean, obviously me and Scott are south, now we sort of know of him and, mm. and we did personally, but how did you guys meet? Maybe I'll, I'll um, jump in. I'll, I'll, yeah, go on. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I sort of need to set the scene uh, with this as well, right? And, and, I, and I, what we didn't quite cover before we started this recording is where we was going to go with it, but um, I'll, I'll keep it um, as close uh, to the truth as possible. Um, so, so I was actually at, at uni um, and I was working a couple of days a week in a bar and a couple of days a week at a golf club. Um, and the lads at the golf club had a five-a-side team um, that I then used to go and play. Um, and one of the guys that used to come down was the kit man at the time at QPR. Um, and he knew of my dad. My dad had uh, done that job for quite a number of years at QPR. Um, uh, and so we kind of had a, a bit in common and we got to know each other. And, and I think it was the start of the season, 2008. Um, he called me and said, did I want to go and work with him at the club? And I thought, yeah, OK. So I left uni and off I went. Um, and I never remember, I'll never forget that the first day the players were in, um, I've walked into the, what the laundry room was at the time, and there was Bark sitting on the side with a paper uh, and an orange Lucasade. Um, and I've got this kind of cheeky <laughs> grin and, and the, all right, lad. Um, and, that, and that was one of the first times, I, well, it was the first time I've met him. Um, and it kind of, we progressed from there because at the time he was he was looking to, to move from the club, um, so he was he was playing in the reserves. Um, so we got to know each other. Then it transpired that um, we lived just down the road from each other, so we sort of meet up socially. Um, and the bit I'm missing was was the the bar I was working in uh, was it was a gentleman's club. So we had a bit of an interest in that as some of the other players did. Uh, I'm not saying he went, of course. I'm just saying he, he was interested to know what I did on the weekend. Um, so, so and, and that was the start of our journey. Um, and it, it just flourished and went on from there. I think what you need to probably to put even more context to that with Chris was that he wasn't your um, typical footballer. You know, he, he, he was probably more at home with 
people who weren't footballers within the football club, if that makes sense. You know, so people like Craig who were involved in the kit and the organisation, you know, he wasn't really a footballer's footballer, if you know what I mean. He wasn't yeah. really a fan of flashiness, arrogance. He despised all of that, you know, and I'll give you players that he despised, you know, that I that I know of, you know, um, for those reasons. So, you know, and, I, and when I knew him, he was always more comfortable around the non-playing staff in a way, do you know what I mean? Because he, he was probably more on their level than he was with some of the players, you know, and um, I think that probably tells you a lot about him as, a, as, as an individual, you know, and he would talk to everybody the same, you know, there was no kind of talking down to people who weren't sort of playing staff as such, you know. That's, that's I think, probably, I think, also, sorry, sorry, Revo. That, that was probably a good segue into to how I met him because I think, you know, he, he was at QPR till 2008, I think, and, and came down to Plymouth Argyle while I was working as head of community. Um, I used to sort of help out with warm ups, with reserves. Um, but, but my first memory of, of Chris, and, and, and funnily enough, I didn't know Craig then, but obviously Chris knew Craig. I got to know. Uh, Chris at Plymouth, but um, uh, one of your former managers, actually, Paul Stoic, I was down at Plymouth and Paul had come back um, and we had a pre-season in Stirling University um, and Paul being, from Scot- Paul being from Scotland, um, had family in Scotland, so obviously the players go up on the bus and um, Paul said to me, would I drive his car up to Stirling, so no problem. And I was living in Torquay at the time, um, so I don't know if you know the, the, the geography of the southwest, but I'd, I'd go down to Plymouth, had to pick up Paul's car, leave my car there, pick up another colleague, then go back up. And we made it as far as Torquay, and then the physio phoned and said, um, ah, can you go back to Plymouth and pick up this physio bench? So, okay, no problem. So it was another hour back down. Then we headed up to, to Stirling. Now, Paul Sturrock had a seven series BMW at the time that um, just drunk petrol. Um, but anyway, we, we, we travelled up and it took us, what, seven hours or something. And me, me and my uh, colleague were absolutely knackered and whacked when we got there. Um, but we joined the lads at about uh, midnight, I think it was, and they were in the hotel and the management staff were having a drink and everything. And Paul came over and shook my hand and I passed him the keys and said, Thank, thanks a lot, son. Um, he said, here, take this. And he handed me 20 quid for petrol. <laughs> 20 quid it cost me to get out of Plymouth, I think, let alone get out of early uni. Um, but the point of the story was um, we went to the bar and we, we got a drink and Barks was at the bar. And obviously the players weren't drinking or anything, but Barks was buying copious bags of crisps and chocolate bars, not just for him, but to share out with the players. And I think probably cleared out the bar and I was stood behind him waiting patiently. But I think that was my earliest recollection because he turned around, realised that I wanted to get a few snacks before bedtime as well. And just said, oh, sorry, lad, I'll take these. And just proceeded to chuck bags of crisp at me and everything. Um, But just using that degree of uh, emotional intelligence, just recognising he cleared the bar out, but I probably wanted to get something. Um, and then just what Reese said, you know, I was head of head of community at, at Argyle. Um, towards the end of his sort of tenure at, at Argyle, he wasn't playing. Um, I think probably frozen out by 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 Stoic. 
Um, but he kind of latched on to me a little bit and came out to community, came out to the schools. He was the sort of go-to pro that I would use to go and do talks and visits and give out trophies and things like that. Um, so, yeah, just a, a wonderful character. But that was my sort of um, early meeting of Chris. Sounds like a real down-to-earth character, in fairness. And that's kind of what I got yeah. when I was really down-to-earth. Really. I, th- I think even like, you know, I, I used to have a, a, you know, a regular chat with him normally sort of once a week, and you'd say, who have you spoken to? And, and it would often be uh, a lad that, that Reese and I both know, a guy called Ian Lannin, who, who was a really good friend of his, was also a kit man. A guy called Steve Francis... Uh, who was also a kit man at Aldershot. <laughs> there was me, you know, I remember going on a night out with the, the team bus driver, Les. You know, he just seemed comfortable in, in and around, you know, non-footballing people, um, mostly, you know. That, that, that's the vibe I always got. Well, obviously, Reese, you met him at, at South Bend, but how, how did you sort of get to, to know him as well as you did? Well, I think, as I said to you the last time we talked, you know, he um, he moved in with me fairly quickly. Um, I think, as I said to you last time, he he turned. I'm sure we were up near Huddersfield. There's a hotel that sits on a big roundabout uh, up in Yorkshire that most people stay at when you go to Huddersfield. And um, I'm not sure if we were playing. Anyway, we're in that area, and he rocked up in his in his Range Rover that we used to joke had rats in the back of it. It was full of shit. Honestly, he had this beautiful Range Rover. He bought it from somebody down, I think, at Plymouth. I might be, I think, from what I remember. But this thing was full of crap. Like, do you know what I mean? You know, he had kit bag, kit. You could go in the back of it and you could probably find anything you wanted to. Oh, there's a pair of socks. There's a pair of boots. You know, and it never, like, you know, and, and this thing just got abused. You know, it was a one beautiful car, but he ruined it. Um, and I was going to get a drink down at a, a petrol station on our own. He said, oh, yeah, I'll jump in. And we got talking. And I think you, uh, you know, in life you meet people, don't you? You know, and you know fairly quickly whether you're on their level. And he, we were on each other's level. In, in, I don't see myself as a particularly footballer type person, the stereotype of it. And I think that's probably why we first sort of um, connected a little bit. And I, and he, I said, oh, "Where are you going to live?" Like he said, oh, "I don't know." Like very much like Barks, it was all whatever you know you know i'll sort it out sort of thing you know and i said well i just moved into this apartment this flat masonette in the middle of south end you'd be doing me a massive favor if you moved in we could split the bills yeah okay i'll come around have a look on monday uh that monday he came round was like yeah that'll do you know and um moved in and we never really looked back from there but what i ended up being was like his wife he couldn't cook couldn't clean couldn't do couldn't do jack shit basically you know so I ended up cooking every every night, you know, but I never felt like I was put on. Do you know what I mean? It was like he was very appreciative. If we went out or we had we had food out, he would always get it. He was like, no, no, you've you've cooked all for me. I'll get this, you know, and that was very much how he was like, you know, but um, it, it, I think I said to you before and, and the lads are probably agree. In some ways, he was your typical Yorkshireman, tight as hell, wouldn't waste his money, wouldn't spend, but in other ways, the most generous man you would ever meet. Do you know what I mean? You know, mm. and we, you know, there'd be days when he would get home from training before me, and I'd walk in, and the, the, the literally the, the thermostat would be right up to the maximum, and he'd be asleep on the sofa. And it's like a tropical greenhouse in there. You're like, fuck, you know, like, 
you know, so I'd sort of turn it back down to a relatively normal level, like, you know what I mean? Because I knew what the, I was in charge of the bills and everything because that was just far too much for him to deal with, you know. Um, and he'd have a couple of bottles of Lucasade on the floor that he'd just finished, <laughs> maybe some biscuits that he sort of tucked into. And that was it then. I probably wouldn't see him till about sort of three, four o'clock when he woke up from his nap. But that was like a, a daily thing. We then walked down into South End High Street, go into Starbucks. And after a little while, the guy would have two cups of tea and the caramel waffles ready to go. Like, you know, and that would be an hour killed. And and that was like our life for, you know, the, the season, like, you know, and, and, and we, I think, as I said to you before, that going over old ground, that was when my career sort of went like that. But, it was probably the, the the best season of my life in a way because I'm, yeah. I met, you know, a great person and a great, we became a great friend, you know, um, but it was the start of the demise of my football career, really, you know, in some ways. And we joke about that. And he used to get, Craig will tell you, he used to get a little bit pissy when I said that to him, like, you know, <laughs> oh, you know, I like, yeah, I had a career till I met you sort of thing, you know, and that, and that, that wasn't the case. It was just, you know, the circumstances of how it was, you know, but um, it, it um, you know, yeah. It's just just a, just a great guy who, who you know wouldn't spend or waste his money, but in other areas would 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 be very very generous, you know. And first when we started that season at South End, he's like, "Do you want to come on holiday?" I'm like, okay, not all right, fine, you know. So I met Craig and some of the other guys that we were going, and that became our thing for what ten years? Something like that was it? Ten yeah, years we yeah, go away yeah, every yeah, summer, and uh, then what we realised was that sort of about two weeks before this holiday, he would go shopping and he would go to Zara, he'd go to whatever, and it'd be like five shirts, five pairs of shorts, a pair of trainers, and that every year, bang, that's my gear, you know what I mean? And he would never, you wouldn't see it recycled. It'd be like a brand new purchase every every year. And, and, that, and that was that one that like, and he'd be, you'd be in the hotel, he'd be tearing tags off stuff that he bought for the holiday, like, you know what I mean? And, on it goes, he'd sort of flatten it out, you know what I mean? And do you know what I mean? Nah, 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 that's all right, like, you know. And um, and, and we'd go on holiday, and, and he was just in this holiday mode. He'd buy his cheap sunglasses at the airport, you know, his 99p McDonald's sunglasses, and, and he was happy, you know. And he'd be on the sun lounger, and he wouldn't move from day to day, would not move off the sun lounger. Um, do you want to go and have a walk into town? No, 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 I want me holidays. I want me holidays like that. Like, you know, yeah, come on, let's go and have a, a walk around the square. Let's go and have a little bit of culture. No, 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 I'm, I'm all right here like that. See you later, like, like me and Craig go for a walk or a wander, like, you know. And 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 that was like 10 years, like, that was like 10 years of my life, you know what I mean? And it, and I think that's the one thing for me that, you know, it, that just stopped. Like, all of a sudden, in one moment, that stopped and it will never it will never be again, you know, and I think for me, that's probably one of the, the saddest elements of it, really, do you know what I mean? That that sort of occurrence, that regular thing you could run, you, run your life by and you could, you know, aim for it and look forward to it, just stopped in a moment, you know, and um, without trying to drag it down too much, that was, for me, probably the, the, the sort of has, has been the saddest part of all of it, really. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it makes sense, but like you say, I bet you've got so many just a great memory for 10 years that and you say, yeah. well, they, the same moment. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, and, and Craig will attest to this, you know, we'd, we'd only go away for three or four days maximum because, you know, Barks had his daughter, I've got my son. Everybody had their own commitments, but we would come together, sort of the five of us and maybe another str another straggler or another hanger, you know, and that somebody else would join in. Uh, but, you know, I could tell you about every one of those holidays for the last 10 years, but it's only three or four days of my life every every sort of year like you know that um yeah i'm sure anybody who has that kind of experience would be able to tell you a similar story 
Mm. You, you made me laugh there, Reese. You, 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 I don't know if you remember it. I think so. Me and Reese always used to room together on these holidays, mainly because of the way Reese just described Barks's car. That's often how the room ended up at the end of the last like, <laughs> three or four days, right? So, so I knew by rooming with Reese, I was safe because he's got you know nice tidy. I like to think I'm kind of fairly tidy. Um, but I remember walking through the airport once, and, and me and Reese both stopped and, and bought some sunglasses. Um, out of like duty free and I don't know what they cost and I, I just remember his face he just couldn't get his head around that we no. paid anything <laughs> more than like a tenner for a pair of sunglasses you know what I mean so what, what and, and he had more like, money you know. or more money yeah. than all of us put together yeah. like, you know, you know, yeah. like. got, got to the hotel where like the little spinny thing is with all the different you know sunglasses on picked them up they didn't fit him, but they were they were his glasses for three days, and you just never see him again. Do you know, the thing was, that always used to get me, do you remember that he would he would just grab them by the lenses, like you know, <laughs> and he'd have all like sun lotion on his fingers, and he like you look at it, you go, you can't see anything out of him, like you know what I mean? You've got <laughs> factor thirty cream all over him, like you know, and he would like throw them down, and he'd wear them in the pool and that, and these glasses <laughs> would just be caked in shit, like you know what I mean? And, but at the end of it, he'd just throw them away, like they were just yeah. like throw, throw them away. And uh, that was it, you know, and um, just like, and, and his idea of folding, I don't know if ever, you, ever, you ever saw him pack his bag, in, uh, Craig, you know, but it, it, there was no care, like, do you know what I mean? No, like, no, yeah, no, that, no. That, that, that'll do, like, you know what I mean? But that, well, that, you, you, that just, just... you just made me think when you said about him ironing and stuff, he actually used to use the iron to dry his clothes. So, <laughs> you know, his... It, his, his clothes, he used to stuff them down the back of radiators. Oh, don't even he, start he, me he sort on of, that. Yeah. yeah, well, and he'd sort of just pick it out, and if it wasn't quite dry, get the iron and, and, and try to dry his clothes with the iron. He wasn't worried about how he looked, um, you know, in terms of creased shirts. Uh, and he'd always go out, and it'd be a little bit damp, and he'd say, oh, it's all right, it's sunny, it'll dry. And it, <laughs> just how he was, right, you know. And, and he could have gone out, and he, and he could have had anything, you know, but he just decided that yeah, he was going to have a fiver spent on a pair of sunglasses and, and, a, and a damp, wrinkly shirt that he replaced every year. But that was bad. Uh, and, 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 and the other thing as well is that, he, you know, if, if he, you know, that most of the time I knew Barks, he was a single man. You know, he, 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 he didn't really venture into long-term relationships in the time that I knew him. But, you know, if he, if he got talking to a girl in a, in a bar or whatever, he would never, ever admit what he did. You know, he would. He was a. He was a gym, or he was a garbage man, a like dustbin man, or he was a a gym uh, instructor. He didn't play on the fact of what he was or who he was in any way, shape, or form. You know, um, well, to his credit, really. Side. Do you know what I mean? Because I think because he was so mm. afraid of that stigma of what that meant. You know, um, mm. because I guess, in, and, I, and I don't know the full because he wasn't. He was very emotionally intelligent. You know, very intelligent as a person, but from a uh, what you would call an educational point of view or, uh, you know, that type of thing. He, he, he would fully admit, you know, his handwriting was terrible. He, he you know, he, he wasn't like that in that sense. And I think he was quite aware of that in a lot of ways, you know, but he, he, it was only if you kind of witnessed it or, or kind of got into it with him that he would go into it. But, and I think he was aware that maybe he could come across like that possibly as well. I, I might be wrong there, but I think that he, he, he was guarded about it. Who he really was as a he was a footballer and and all of that comes with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. From, from what from what you're saying is he like literally was not materialistic in the slightest, and yeah, probably very aware of 
the stereotype that would have come along with, yeah, in a bar, oh, I'm a footballer. And then it's like, yeah. you know, like a like flies around yeah. dog shit. And he, and he would be like, somebody, you know, that will be, you know, throwing money around or, or buying bottles of champagne. You know, he wasn't like that at all. You know, he, he would, he would, if you, if you let him get away, he'd probably buy the drinks all night to a certain extent, you know, but he, he, he wasn't flash in his, in his, in his exterior at all in the slightest, you know. Yeah, but, but I think Reese, I don't know about you, and I, I'm sort of just thinking about it now. In, in all the time I knew him, we, we'd have conversations about football, uh, and it would be about watching a game or another player, but but never ever really, I don't think I ever had a conversation about him and his career. And he didn't have a bad career, right? He had a good career, uh, and he never would no, speak about no. Um, and I no, probably you'd, you'd have to draw it out of him, wouldn't you? you wouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't just yeah. sort of tell you. And, and this isn't me trying to sort of be funny now. It's true. I probably, and I, I've had more conversations with him about what he did before football. He was a lifeguard, right? And he came into football quite late. Um, and I've had more conversations with him about that than, than football. Uh, and that's kind of just where what he wanted to talk about. You know, he never really would speak about him in his career. Um, which, which I liked, you know, I, I, think, I think that takes a certain type of person. But I think that probably what, uh, in a lot of ways, helped him to, um, you know, he, he he didn't have to bring himself down to a level to talk to non-footballing people as such. Like he was just on that level. That was him. Do you know what I mean? You know, he didn't have to dumb himself down or lower himself down, and you know, anything like that. that was just him. You know, he's probably more uncomfortable in the football world than he was, you know, in in, in with every, you know, it's out with with everyday people as such who aren't footballers like he was probably yeah. more at home in that scenario than he was in a, in a football environment and I think he almost then when he was he he would he I don't think a lot of players would necessarily know him as a person particularly well because he wouldn't necessarily allow that to happen you know unless you were sort of in part of his in a, in a sort of circle as such from that point of view yeah I, I think that's testament to him though, as you say like you know not, not to demean a level, but you get kids nowadays, they play like Bostick Prem and they put professional footballer, you know, and stuff like that. He oh, yeah. I mean, you know, social media. Well, I think I think he had Facebook, um, but there was uh, there were certain rules, weren't there? We went away that, that you know, you, I'm not on Facebook myself, you know, but the other lads had certain rules that they weren't allowed to post any pictures of X, Y and Z and don't do this, don't do that, you know. So he was... He was very protective of his privacy as well, you know, which, um, and I think I didn't really understand it fully until I ever went out in Cardiff with him. And if you went out in Cardiff with him, he, he was very, very well known there because obviously that was the sort of major part of his career. Yeah. Uh, we'd go out, wouldn't we, you know, and, and bar owners and club owners would be all over him, you know, and he'd be saying hello to people all night, you know, oh, it's Chris Barker, that sort of thing, you know. And, it, and, and I found that quite strange enough first because I didn't really see him like that. I didn't know him like that, you know, but, he got a little glimpse of it, and because he lived in Cardiff, I kind of got it a little bit more. Then he was quite protective about himself and his and his, and his sort of privacy, you know. Yeah. Did he like that, or did he, was he a bit was he a bit sheepish of it? Yeah. Did he like? I think he was fun? sheepish. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it wasn't somebody he would encourage. You know what I mean? He, he would be polite. He wouldn't be rude to anybody at all. You know. Yeah. Um, but he he would sort of, you know, hello, how are you? That kind of thing. You know, he would always remember people. He, he you know, he, he was um, very much like that. Uh, but he certainly wouldn't encourage it or, or go looking for it. Uh, that you know, no question of that. Yeah, definitely. Where, 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 whereabouts did you go on holiday anyway? 
Was it the classic? <laughs> well, <laughs> the, 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 the first year was um, Albufeira, wasn't it, in Portugal? Oh, nice. um, yeah. Very and nice. then, and then um, we we did. I think we did the Canary Islands. I, this isn't necessarily in order. Canary Islands. Benidorm featured quite heavily. There we uh, go. I think that's what we were looking occasions. for, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Magaluf. Magaluf. Um, so, in, yeah, we went to Magaluf one year, but that was that was an awkward one, wasn't it? Because we went there, and that may well be five or six years ago now, and, and even then we felt very old. Um, and I think Chris was very aware. His daughter at the time was probably 11 or 12, and there were girls, you know, they, they looked 17, 18, some of them, like, you know, and it was all a little bit like, oh, we feel like, sort of, you know, dirty old men still, yeah. there, do you know what I mean? You know, and, um, but it, 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 we could have gone anywhere, to be quite honest with you. It didn't really matter where we went, as long as it was hot, as long as there was some beer, you know, um, and we could find some decent bars, you know, and uh, we, we would make the best of it, do you know what I mean? So, um, but Benidorm was probably where Chris was happiest, I would suggest. <laughs> I can picture he was. <laughs> Um, and, and he was in his element there, you know, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot there, you know, but um, there was a particular player that you may or may not know called Cafe Benidorm. And um, we would be in there every night pretty religiously um, and, and making sure we were in there for midnight when fake that came on, you know, so these were sort of three or four. <laughs> I made a great living over there, um, would come on, do four or five hits, you know, take that numbers. All the women would rush to the front of the stage area. Um, and, and, and he would just be in his element, you know, like never forget would come on the arms, would come up, you know, and, and um, by that point, he's obviously quite well oiled, you know, with, with um, some, some Spanish lager or whatever, you know, but um, yeah, we stayed in terrible hotels, cheap, shitty hotels, but it, it didn't really matter, you know, um, and the last holiday we went on was actually my, um, was my stag do. Um, not that the marriage has lasted, unfortunately, but we went to Benidorm. Well, we had, we went to Benidorm and some other guys. My dad came, my uncle came, my son came, and, and, a, and a work colleague of mine, a young lad called Ollie. And it was probably one of the, I think probably we finished on the highest note in a lot of ways because it was, there were some moments on that trip that were just incredible, you know. Um, fake that, you know, uh, were there. <laughs> um, but this, this young lad that I work with, Oliver, great kid. Went to private school, um, very well brought up, lovely family, all of this sort of thing. As far removed from a, a footballer as you could possibly imagine this kid, you know. And I'd sort of taken him under my wing at work where I work um, at Porsche and trained him up as a salesman and, and worked alongside him. So I said, you've got to come on my stag do. And he's like, yeah, okay, fine. So we, we, we put him in the room with Barks and, and another lad. And um, there's an area near where I live down here called um, Limington, which is where he grew up, which is probably for South End people, a little bit like Leon C. So it's the, okay. it's the posher area, yeah, yeah. you know, a little bit kind of hoity-toity, you know, all the people dressed up, you know, all that stuff. So he, he's come on his solo, but he's coming, he's come with all of his boating gear, like, you know, his rugby tops, his polo shirts, his boat shoes, you know, and he's paid 150 quid for these boat shoes. Anyway, one night, Chris has gone out, we've gone out, and um, he's obviously had a few to drink. So the next morning, Ollie's come down and he's like, oh no, like, like you know, I'm like, what's up? He said, well, he said, you, you know, Chris? I'm like, yeah. He said, um, he's, he's, he's pissed in my shoes. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, 
my, 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 my fucking boat shoes are full of piss, <laughs> like, like, you know. I'm like, oh, God. And he's like, I'm like, well, just, just, just chuck him away. Chris will probably, he's like, no, no, no. Anyway, he didn't chuck them away. He dried them out, wrapped them in a towel, and took them home. He still wears them now. <laughs> so if I see, if we go out, as it, you know, now like down, you know, I'm like, you got your piss shoes on? He's like, yeah. I said, you know, that's my my mates in those, my mates in them shoes, like, that, like you know. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know that. Like, I said, for fuck's sake, chuck them away, like, do you know what I mean? You know. So, um, so Chris lives on down here with me every now and again. I see him, you know, in the piss shoes when they come out for an outing. Um, but there are multiple other stories from that holiday, you know, but um, that was that was our last holiday. And, and I often look back at those photos and we've got some nice photos of us as, as, as friends and that, you know, and um, that led into the, the wedding a couple of weeks later. And I've got some fantastic photos of us as friends uh, from that from that um, from that wedding, you know, and for me personally and and, and us as, as as a group you know i could never have never ever have foreseen what was going to come along six months later you know um you know personally my ma my marriage didn't survive the passing of barks um unfortunately um and um you know to 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 to, to have that flip around like that you know you, you just then then have covid on the back of it and lockdown you know, if somebody had told me the week before we went on the stag do, this is what's going to happen, you'd have, you'd have laughed them out of town. You know, it was, uh, you'd never, never have expected that to happen. I think that's the thing with it all. You don't want to sort of stare at it, but it's almost, you, you, you can't look to him and went, ah, not him, not him. And that's, so that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know, again, I'm, I feel like I'm talking a bit too much here, but, you know, I'm sure the other lads will, will, um, agree with me you know if, if and i've said this i've said this many many times if you were to line up all of the people that you knew in your life yeah and you put somebody said put them in an order of people that you think are capable of doing what chris did and the people who wouldn't be able to do what Chris wouldn't do it you would put chris at the very far end of the people that, that, that you would never ever think yeah. and i think that just goes to show you just never know you know and, and obviously mark mark's work with 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 the mental health side of things will will probably um segue into that you know um I, i've learned a hell of a lot do you know what i mean you know and i think out out the outward persona of people is not something to judge them on in that sense you know it, it, there's there's obviously much more going on behind that you know and um uh the the, the shock of the shock of that day uh because it was craig that actually told me with, that made the phone call to me that told me what had happened you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I will, uh, I will ever be able to process that that phone call. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. it was very, very surreal, and it will, all, it will always be all of that. Just, just as you was talking, Emery, I remember um, doing a talk on, uh, on on mental health to um, some guys at a football club, professional football club, some coaches. Um, yeah, and we got on to talk about. Um, suicide and stuff and, and one of the guys said to me you know so you know we're talking about recognizing signs and symptoms and he said so so when you see that person in the corner of the dressing room with their head in their hands like really struggling what 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 do you do what do you say and I said well that's just a massive misconception because it probably wouldn't be that person with their head in their hands you know and I, I look back and um you know, when you talk about poor mental health and you look at, you know, like Mavericks, like Paul Gascoigne, you know, and the antics that, that, that he would have got up to and things like that. And there's, there's other people that are really well documented. But um, 
yeah, it's not it's not always the obvious, and it's this horrible uh, man up culture that we, we we live in at the minute, which is just horrendous for men. It really, really is. And if you look at sort of facts and figures, if you looked at um, you know poor mental health stats, so um, depression, um, anxiety, etc., the, the the figures are really high with women and girls, um, and really low with men, but when we talk about suicide those rates flip round so 75 percent of men i think it is that um that take their own life so that that sort of screams out of me figures like that that um you know men just don't talk about it enough um is that why you think that that figure that 75 percent is higher yeah. in women because it's actually recorded so there's actually some yeah, data I whereas think... with men that the data isn't there because they won't admit yeah. to it or open up about it yeah i think they'll, so, just, take, I think... they'll just take the, the drastic action to yeah, yeah, I think, you know, so look, I, with my wife, for instance, you know, if, if she feels down or blue, she's had a crap day at work, she'll pick up the phone and she'll talk to, to her mate about it and she'll vent and she'll get it out. So if you imagine like a, a fizzy bottle of Coke or something, she's having that slow release all of the time, slow release and you're twisting the top. Whereas men sometimes, um, you know, Craig and I, let's say that we used to go out, um, come on, let's go out and have a few beers we'd go out a whole night but we wouldn't talk about like any emotional stuff and it would all be surface stuff about the game and this that and the other and we'd, we'd go away not really having learned loads about um about each other's sort of you know thoughts etc um but that's what it that's what it says to me that's how i read the figures so girls women and girls will sort of present a bit more in terms of doctor surgeries and things like that whereas men um tend to not all but tend to suppress thoughts and feelings and i think that's how um and then for for for, for a lot of men it comes out i think with addictions and um you know alcohol gambling all sorts of things not saying that that was that was chris but um sometimes that's how it manifests itself because we just don't know how to deal with it We've never been mm. taught. It's, you know, if you look, you can look from a really young age, right? So if you go into, um, I don't know, let's say you go into ASDA and you go in the, in the closed section there, you'll see um, for the young girls, three, four-year-olds, everything's like pretty ponies and pretty princesses and everything. And the boys, it's these scary, angry monsters, you know, strong characters. We've mm -hmm. got to be strong. Um, can't be weak, can't cry, boys don't cry, and all of this really negative stuff. Um, this, this plays into this, this narrative um, that is just horrible. It is ridiculous. And then you add into that uh, football and the to toxic masculinity of that um, uh, dressing room, you know, where, where Reese has been in at a professional level. That, that's a tough place. I only played sort of semi-pro and been around it from a coaching perspective, but it's a tough place. It's not a place where you'd put your hand up and say, oh, no, lads, I'm struggling here a little bit. We will with calf injuries and ankle injuries and things like that. Of course we will, but, but, but not, 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 not to do with the brain. We won't. Generally speaking, we won't put our hands up. And, you know, the club that I'm at now working in the, uh, academy football, we're, we're, we're trying our utmost to really change that narrative and make it, a nice, comfortable place for, for for boys and young men to be able to put their hand up and say, I'm just struggling a little bit here. Because you would do with anything else. 
Um, and it's no different. It's no different if you're struggling with poor mental health, with anxiety, with depression, than, than or it shouldn't be any different than saying, well, you know, I've got diabetes or I've got an ankle problem or a groin. It shouldn't be any different at all. And it's about changing that. And, and Craig knows how passionate I am about this. And we do talk about it openly. And I'll ask Craig, you know, how you feel, how are you really feeling? Because that's something that we're great at doing as, as, as bricks as well. Hi, how are you? And we're trained. We're trained to go, yeah, I'm all right. I'm fine. How are you? We'll turn it on the other yeah. person. And how are you? We're very good at that. But I'll, I'll, I'll ask again and again, how are you? How, how are you? Are you really all right? Is there anything you want to tell, tell me? Do you want everything to get off your chest? Um, that's where I come from, from that standpoint, really. I think, I think that really resonates to me. I mean, I, I was well. I was with Reese. Um, together we was out, and it was the last time we see Chris. Um, and it was, you know, three days before before he, he, he uh, did what he did. Um, but I was actually, I attended a, a mental health first aid course uh, two weeks ago because of what I'm doing now for work. And it was great. The training was really good. And then the last topic of the day was about suicide. And um, I decided just to, to talk about it, um, you know, uh, what I'd experienced uh, with Chris. And it was really interesting because the, the tutor said, well, now you know what you know. So now you've had this training course from me. Would you have done anything different? And I think she was hoping I was going to turn around and say, well, yeah, actually, I would have. But I think, you know, maybe Risa backed me up on this. I think seeing Chris that night, I wouldn't have done anything different because there was I don't think there was any real signals or signs to say this guy's struggling. And I like to think I'm fairly kind of aware of, uh, of people and their emotions um and you know it's all well and good in hindsight when you think about it and you look back and you think well maybe there was a couple of chinks in his armor there was a few things that he was talking about that perhaps he wouldn't normally talk about but at the time you wouldn't have been then thinking ah, oh, this guy's really struggling to the point where you know in a few days time this is going to happen um, and so it's interesting you say that, Mark, you know, because for me, it's the one thing that I look and I reflect a lot. And I, I like, you know, I think, well, could I have done something? Could I have said something? Could I have spotted something? Uh, and it's something you, that, that, you know, lives with you forever, right? Um, but but I, I do think in, in with Chris's circumstance, it, it, was, it was a very kind of good wall that he put up around him. Um, and like we say, he was the last person that, that you'd dream of doing what he did. Um, yeah, that, 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 I don't know, Reese, whether, whether you thought or felt the same from that night, but, but there was certainly nothing there uh, where I would uh, turn and gone, you know. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's very, very, very difficult, isn't it? You know, because you and I have had many, many conversations about this privately, you know, and there's, I think it's very hard to shake off that regret of that night, you know, because obviously I left, if you remember, I left slightly early because I had work the next day. So, I, you know, my thing is I wish I'd, just wish I'd stayed a bit longer. Why didn't I stay a bit longer, you know? And ultimately, it, it, I was doing the right things. I had work and I was trying to be responsible. I wasn't drinking, I was driving, you know, because who would have ever foreseen what was about to happen, you know? Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing, and Craig and I hopefully doesn't mind me saying this, that we've talked about is that we can talk about it all day long, forever and a, and a day. We are never, ever going to get any answers. 
we're never going to get any any resolution to this because we can't because the person we want to talk to about it isn't going to be able to answer us anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, he was he was a little bit down. He'd had, he, he, you know, to, to his mind, he'd been having some relationship issues. But the funny thing is, I've got to know his partner after the event, you know, and, and you hear her side of the of the of the story, and you know, it, like all things, there's always two sides, you know. So that that then throws another thing into the mix, you know. And I think ultimately, and I I, I want to be very careful what I say because I don't want to sort of divulge anything that is is across the line, you know. I think that you know, Chris had. Um, probably i think probably had some issues in terms of trusting opening up to women opening up to anybody really i think when you look at overall open up to anybody and and that probably restricted him having a having a, having a proper relationship with with somebody probably more so women in the traditional sense which which probably then limited what he was what 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 he would allow into his life and i and i think craig and i probably know the reasons for that and it's probably not right to, to say what they are but you know, he was very protective about certain things and certain elements of his life to the point that it was almost to a detriment to himself, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm sure I, I, I you know, you, you regret it. To, I'll regret it forever, do you know what I mean? That we didn't spot something or say something. But even if we had, and even if you'd have pulled him and said, are you all right? Seriously, there is no way he would have gone yeah look this is this is what he, i just don't think that would have happened i think he was so um programmed self-programmed to be you know yeah. um this this person that he was and i think uh, the thing i struggled with it was i asked myself was i the friend i thought i was you know was i as good a friend did he value me as good a friend as i thought he valued me because ultimately he couldn't didn't feel comfortable enough to talk to me about that you know because i know exactly what i was doing on that New Year's Eve and where I was, and I know I was sat in my house, with my phone next to me. So at that moment when he was kind of making that decision of what he was about to do, he hasn't phoned anybody. He hasn't phoned me. He hasn't phoned Craig or anybody else from as far as I know, anybody else in his life. He's just made a decision and he's, and he's ex executed that, you know, mm. and I think that's the bit that I personally struggle with. That at that moment, he didn't feel he could pick the phone up. Yeah. to me or any, it didn't have to be me it could have been Craig of any one of our other friends in our in our group you know um you, you know and and obviously you question yourself or I've certainly questioned myself Craig may be able to to, to follow on from me you know um so that's never going to change you can't change that that's gone that's done but certainly this has changed me personally forever I will I, I am from that moment I have changed as an individual you know and if I see or hear things around me, uh, and I, I could give you a specific example of that, of a young goalkeeper that I was coaching a couple of years ago where I could see these signs in him, you know, and um, I pulled him to one side and, and, and he ended up crying on my shoulder, you know, and I don't think I'd have been able to recognise that without the experience that I've been through, you know, mm. and that to me, in a, on a very personal level, was one of my proudest moments in my life. And I, I think I've done a few decent things in my life, you know, from a, the, the, the football sphere as such, you know, but that, that moment in me that I could recognise that in that individual kid that uh, you, you pull him to one side on a training field and he's next minute, he's crying on your shoulder. You know, I, I feel like there, I may have affected his life forever, you know, and that would never have happened if the awful yeah. events hadn't happened prior to that, you know. Yeah. So, 
I think, and, and bring it back to this whole game scenario, this, we, I personally feel, and I think the other guys, we, we have to find some good in this. You know, there has to be some good that comes out of this. And if this game, it isn't about, and because he wouldn't have wanted that, this isn't about how great Chris, what a great person. Yeah, he was a great person, fantastic person. You know, this is about making, trying to make a difference for somebody else and in any small way that we can, whether somebody's watching this right now, you know, or, or somebody's going to come to that game and they're going to pay a fiver. They're going to pay, they might even donate another tenner on the day in a bucket. That might go to the charity that, that, that they pay for somebody to be on the phone that one night when somebody like Chris, who didn't pick the phone up, does pick the phone up and is on the phone there at that moment, you know, and that will lead back to Chris. That, that yeah. is the good that will come out of this awful situation. Definitely. And Craig and, and everybody else that probably was knows Mark, uh, no, knew Chris, hopefully will have a similar scenario to me and many, many more in their life where they go and they affect somebody yeah. in a positive sense that makes them feel valued. Because I think the one message I would probably say to anybody is, if you're ever in that moment, you're doubting it, you will be missed. You will be massively missed by more people than you ever think you will be, you know. Um, because you only had to be in that church on, on, on Chris's Memorial Day, the funeral, to realise how many people's, how many lives he had touched, you know. Um, but in that moment, he couldn't, he couldn't see that, obviously, you know, evidently yeah. he couldn't quite see that, you know. Um, and I, I think, you know, ultimately, it's we, if there's anything we can do to try and, like, honour and celebrate his life, is to hopefully try and affect other people going forward, you know, in any small way that we can... That's the only reason I'm doing this tonight, really. Do you know what I mean? You know, I I don't necessarily enjoy talking about the situation and him, you know, but it, no, it, you, you, you've got to look at the, the, the bigger picture with this, haven't you? You know, and it's probably why the other two um, guys are here as well. I'm glad you said that because you, you sort of you've taken the words out of my mouth of what I was going to say. You know, I, you know, when that first happened, I mean, me and Reese have had a lot of calls about it. Um, some were very emotional and sad. Some were very, you know, I think we both felt a lot of anger uh, and then we both, you know, it's a wave that you kind of ride. And, and I sit here now and it goes back to what you spoke about at the beginning um, uh, of the call when you said about, um, you know, has the extended period made, made, a, made a difference? And I think it has because I think now that that wave's kind of got to a point now where it's kind of shallowed out. And I find myself smiling and laughing more about Chris than, than what I did at the time, um, which is great, you know, because he, he, he was, um, you know, someone that, that that was like that himself. And, and, and so if that's my memory and Reese's memory and everyone else's memory of him, that, then that's great. But I think now um, the, the point in which that changed for me is when I realised I'd never get the answer as to why, like, like Reese said a moment ago. We'll never get the answer. Um, only Chris knows the answer to that. So that kind of has to be put to bed. Uh, and now we have to take all of the positives out of this. Uh, because even though it's an extremely sad thing that's happened, you know, we, we've got to turn it into a positive and we've got to try and affect others that are going through that similar journey uh, to, to make sure that the figures that Mark was talking about, um, you know, don't carry on on that upward trend. So I think, um, Although it's it's been a, a massively sad thing to go through, um, if if it can impact others um, going forwards, then I think 
everyone's achieved, um, you know, the right outcome. Definitely. I think it's a really lovely, lovely words from both of you as well. And I actually want to bring Mark in here quickly because you, you're saying you still work in football. And ultimately, you know, does society do enough? But do you think football do enough now to, to try and bring that, almost bring it out of people to say, you know, if you are, you know, tell us, talk, and we can help you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm at Arsenal currently and um, we've got a fantastic player care team there. And it's a great point that you make because sometimes as young men, um, and I knew that I couldn't when I was struggling with anxiety and depression in my early teens, we can't articulate our thoughts and feelings. We really can't. I can't. I couldn't explain to you at 12 or 13 why I felt so low and depressed on a Sunday night after everything was finished, football's finished, and I've got school the next day. I wouldn't be able to articulate that at all. Um, and growing up in a certain family that I did, as a mixed race person, there was no real positive black role models or anything. It was it was really really tough and. I've sort of since searched for the words. I'm 46 now, and I'm in a, in a much more comfortable place. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable sharing uh, these, these words now. I'm comfortable to be able to talk to my wife about stuff. Um, and and, and that's, that's what I want, um, you know, in, in the industry that, that I'm in. I want boys and young men to be comfortable. So we, we've got something, and you'll see it, it's called um, Academy Island where it's a, it's a picture, it's a, it's a big picture in a, in a frame and the boys can actually point to parts of the island um, where they're feeling because um, mental health on a continuum. So the utopian view would be real positive mental health, I'm feeling brilliant about myself, England are going to win the World Cup, everything's rosy. You know, and that's a real utopian view and we might have days like that, it might be great. But one thing can happen, and we spin around that continuum. We really do. And if you haven't got the tools in your in your in your toolbox, it can be really tough as a as a young man, as a man, as anyone really. But because of the narrative that's gone before us, it can be really really tough. Um, so we have to look at different learning styles, learning preferences, and and and, and really sort of cater for the fact that you know people might not know how to articulate how they're feeling. So it might be being able to to point at things and well this is where I am I'm on the the bay of plenty and everything's rosy and this and that but I'm in the creek over here at the minute because you know there's a chance that I might be getting released or I've got this real severe injury and I don't know how to cope with it um okay so let's talk about that um and Reese has made a wonderful point there with the goalkeeper you know can you imagine that where the goalkeepers felt 
you know, I really trust this person, the environment's right, and I can open up and, and, and shed tears. You know, wonderful, because you're just getting, you're getting stuff out. It's that Coke yeah. bottle one again. And, and, and I know that the, the goalkeeper would have felt 10 times better afterwards, you know, having, having shared that with Reese. So I agree with the guys. There's some real positives that, that, that come out of this as well. And, you know, I had, I had a friend that I played with um, when we were 18 who, who, um, who killed himself. And, you know, his mum said to me a week before, you know, Mark, he, he, you know, really likes you, he really respects you, he likes the work that you do. Would you please go and have a chat to him? He, he works in Sainsbury's. These are the days that he works. Can you go and have a chat to him? So I had to sort of style it out, really. I didn't plan it, and I just made it look like I just was doing a bit of shopping. I'm only 18 myself. And I remember bumping into him and saying, oh, hey, mate, how are you doing? All right. But even at 18, he was trained. His mind was trained to flip it straight back at me. So I'd say, how are you? You know, ah, how are you more to the point? You're still doing your coaching? Yeah, 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 I am. But And how's it all going? And I didn't have a chance to talk about him. But anyway, he, he seemed really buoyant and full of life. And I came away and the next day, I think it was, his mum said, how did it go? I said, I don't, you've got nothing to worry about. He's absolutely fine. He's absolutely fine. He was brilliant. He was smiling. He was asking me about me. A week later, he's killed himself. You know, so how do you... And I look back, like Reese is saying, like Craig's saying, and you think, is there something else I could have done? And should I have asked him how he was? It wouldn't have mattered. There was no signs there. there was no 18 signs. as well. I'm not being funny. Yeah. We're, we're thinking about when I was 18, I, I would not have walked up to another bloke and gone, how are you, yeah. how are you feeling? How are you doing? Yeah, no, we don't because we're trained and we've got to suppress yeah. and we've got to be strong and we've got to, you know. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think football is doing a lot more. I think there's lots of mental health initiatives now. Um, podcasts like this are a great platform to, for, for for us as as men to be able to share our thoughts and feelings. Um, you know, it's it's, it's 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 so much more sort of widespread now. I've educated myself over the last ten years through podcasts. That's my learning preference rather than reading. But there are books and all sorts of stuff out there which you know there wasn't. When you go back to when my mum, who also struggled, was growing up in the 60s and, and, and 70s, you didn't have that. And you, you only have to look at, if you remember the time, unfortunately, when, when Kylie Minogue um, first got breast cancer. If you, if you trail back through the paper cuttings of that, around about that time, it coincided with a time where Frank Bruno was really struggling with psychosis. So the main headlines in the paper was this story around Kylie Minogue, and quite rightly so, she was struggling with breast cancer, but look, as a nation, let's get around and support her. News of the world, I think it was, and I might be wrong, um, the headline was Bonkers Bruno. So there you go. Mm. A woman that's struggling with, with breast cancer, which is terrible, but this guy was also really, really struggling with psychosis, which is horrendous. But it's bonkers, Bruno. Making light of it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. and that's and that's what it's been like growing up, and hopefully it's all changing now. Yeah, it's starting to change. Yeah, no, I, th I think I think it is. I think there is still a a, a long, long way to go, but I, but I think it is, and um, I think um, you know, just sort of looping back to what what you've all said, and listen, I can't I can't begin to put myself in your shoes of when like you found out what had happened to Chris. But I think the, the natural reaction is obviously to think, what should I have spotted something? Could I have asked something else? Like, but 
I think you you could rewrite history with with the benefit of hindsight. And I think Reese, what you've managed to take from it and that moment that you had with that young goalkeeper, I think you should be incredibly proud of yourself for for pulling a, a positive like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, even saying it, I makes me feel like it's a bit like sort of trying to pat myself on the back. And I no, hope no, no, I, I, like I, I don't think so. No, um, no because all. he sort of walked away, and I had to stand there for a minute myself and kind of compose myself, you know, because you know it was quite a a, a, um, a real sort of um, powerful thing. Do you know what I mean? You know, and it, I was very aware that it was a very powerful thing at the time. You know, um, but I. I you know, not not that I am certainly a, a, a finished article, like a, you know, from far from it. You know, but I look back at the person that I was as a footballer. You know, during that period of time, and very much in my head, I'm still a footballer. You know, I'm not, and I'm I'm, I'm retired eight years now. You know, but in my head, I'm still Reece Evans, a footballer. And I think that's a lot of the problem with this is that we identify ourselves through what we do. You know what I mean? And I think that probably is is part of the issue. And I and I and I now when I speak to footballers who are still in the game, whether they're even older than me and coaches or whatever, and I'm talking to them, I'm thinking like, like wow, like you are in this bubble, you know. They and obviously I've been now been removed from it in in what I would class as the real world, doing a, a real world job for the last eight years, you know. And I think I'm better for it, you know. I think I bet I like myself more now than I did. And I think back to the type of person that I was, very ruthless. You know, it was football first beyond everything else, you know, and um, that, that you know, doesn't sit comfortably with me. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think that that is the difficult thing. And I think it's very hard to break that, you know, because that football bubble is so strong, you know, and you're constantly surrounded by it. But And again, at the same time, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that was what affected Chris. You know, I think Chris is... Chris is in a battle was was something completely different. You know, I don't think coming out of playing was the issue. I think it was some long, deep-rooted um, things from, from other areas of his life, you know. Um, but I, I, I think what we need to look at is what we do with these 18, 19, 20-year-old lads that we're giving, you know, a lot of money to. You know, he, even at League One, League Two conference level, the money they will earn is better than what uh, the equivalent of them outside of football will earn as an apprentice or a labourer or whatever it might be in the real world. You know, and it's it's helping them understand that, manage their money, manage them, managing their own egos. Really, I think that's where football needs to needs to step in and manage that. You know. The top level, you're going here. You go. It'd be a bit of a knob now if we got that kind of money given to us, wouldn't we? You know, as, as grown men, you know, you think about yourself as a 17, 18 year old. You get that kind of money, you, you, you're going to turn into a knob, aren't you? You know, or perceived as a bit of a knob because you've you've got no you've got no um, you've got no. You've never experienced you. anything else, have you? Yeah. yeah. No, so. exactly. You know, it took me a long time. You know, a long, long time when I came out of football into the real world of working in a normal corporate environment to really wise up to what was going on, you know, but I thought I was pretty switched on. I was far from that, you know, and um, it, it was a steep uphill learning curve, you know, and and I think that's the same for anybody coming out of football, you know, that bubble gets burst and it's a, it's a, it's a sharp burst, you know. Um, how you would police that, how you would educate that, I really, really don't know, but I think it's the support level that needs to come with it, perhaps, on a wider discussion 
that that maybe is something that, that that would be beneficial to a lot of a lot of footballers coming out of the game. You know, I think really... I think uh, sorry, I was going to say on that race. I've always thought about it. I mean, I'd never uh, played the game at any level. I've obviously been around that environment, and and season on season, you're in a dressing room with 20, 25 people. That, that you see every day, that you talk to every day, that you go into battle with, you know, once, twice a week, that you're, you're loyal towards. And then you might leave the club, you might, you know, retire or whatever it is. Uh, I think you could then probably count on one hand how many people out of that 25 that you then keep in touch with. Yeah. Um, and I, I see... I mean, I'm just talk, sort of talking general football now, uh, away from Chris. Um, I see it with my dad. My dad worked in football for a long, long time um, and, and was all about, you know, going to work and, and being around people. Um, and he stopped uh, and he would then be sitting at home and he'd, you know, have a couple of people that he'd call. But, but for like 25 years of his life, he'd, he'd, he'd been surrounded by people. Um, and I, I've always thought that, that that's got to be really tough. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I think we're all lucky. I think, Reese, you know, you, you have got probably more friends outside of football, I think. I'm kind of talking on your behalf there and, and stuff. But, yeah. but, but, you know, if you've never had that, it's like, what, what do you do? You know, what do you do? And that's without trying to reenact, you know, the... the the game day kind of uh, experience and, and the way the adrenaline pumps through your body and all of that stuff, that's, that all goes in with it, right? But, but just from a, a social as aspect, having somebody to talk to, um, it's, it's, it's always kind of been one for me that I think it's, it's, something's got to be done, I think, in that area. I, I had this idea, it'll probably get stolen now, I know I say it out loud, but I, I think <laughs> there needs to be almost like a... Um, you know, show these show ex-footballers that there is a life outside of football. There is a world outside of football. It may not appear like that when you're in the bubble. But I had this idea of maybe doing a podcast where, you know, you, you talk to other footballers. So, right, I want to talk to you. But do you know what? I don't, I don't care about this. I don't want to know about your football career. I want to talk to you from the start about that first day you woke up and you were no longer a footballer. What happened? What happened to you? What did you do? What mistakes did you make? What successes did you have? What do you wish you'd done differently? What would you tell yourself? You know, what would you tell that person who stopped playing? You know, yeah. I think something like that, that, that players who are still playing or coming to the end of their careers or just finished, you go, okay, all right, yeah. So he's gone on and he's, he's this, he's that. He's been successful in that field or he, he, he made that mistake or he should have done that. You know, I think if, if, if you could give these guys, because, you know, there's only so many coaching jobs. And that's why I've sort of stayed away from it to a certain extent because, you know, it's a, it's, a precar it's a precarious industry. There's no job security as such, you know. But if you could show these guys, and I, I, I might be totally wrong here, you know, but if you could say, show these, these lads or, and, and, and women, if, if that's the case, that there is a life outside football. This is what you can achieve. And, and I, I, um, I had this opportunity to go and work for Porsche. And I went on my instinct because I learned a very valuable lesson during my career that I signed for the wrong club at the right time. I didn't listen to my gut. And I, I took the job and decided to stop playing on my gut, you know. But I'm walking into this, 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 this environment. How on earth am I going to do this? What am I going to, how am I going to get through this? Like, you know, I'm, I'm literally going out on a wing here on my gut. 
But what you what you what I then realised was all of these things you've learned as a footballer stand you in great stead. You know, firstly, you'll talk to a supporter, you'll talk to a fellow teammate, you'll talk to a manager, you'll talk to a chairman, and these are all people from different walks of life. So I now go into an industry where I talk to people on a daily basis, and I'm able to do that and build rapport in doing it without realising it for, for 30 years. You know, and then you go into, like I say, for example, a sales environment that I now work in, and you'll meet lads or guys and women as well that'll go, I'm competitive, I'm really competitive. They're not. They don't know the meaning of the word competitive because they've never had to be competitive properly, in my opinion, anyway, you know, because they've never been on a training pitch. They've never been in a, in a stadium full of 10,000, 20,000 people. That builds competitive instinct. And that has dragged me through so far in my career doing what I do now, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder if some of these, some people who are coming to the end of career, maybe they realise this, you know, because it took me a while to, to sort of on to it, you know, um, be so in fear of it, maybe, you know, because I think I think Barks was a little bit like that, you know, because he was toying with the idea of doing a HGV license. Yeah. He was this, he was that. Um, I don't know if you remember that, Craig. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, I was, know, I was I just thinking was a, about it, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, not that I think that led to what happened, you know, at all, but I think, you know, you, you broaden that picture you know, I'm sure there's plenty of lads who are absolutely shitting themselves. Like, you know, what on earth? I've got kids, I've got a mortgage, I've got a wife. You know, what am I going to do? You know, maybe that's something. And it's something I've thought about a lot, you know, myself, um, whether I could do that personally, you know, and, and do that kind of podcast that, you know, right, so-and-so, you, you play 300 games in the league, you scored 25 goals a season for 20 years, you retired, what happened? You know, that's and, I, and, and that's what I want to know about and, and talk to me from that point onwards, you know, because um, I think there'd be some really interesting stories, you know, good and bad. I think, Reese, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's something you should pursue. I was just going to ask you about um, that sort of correlation, really, with finishing playing. Um, I don't know the actual stats, but I know that, um, you know, the divorce rates and things are, are, are really high when, when, when players stop playing. But also, you know, it, was, it must have been quite regimented for you as a player. I remember going into to Argyle and seeing this big sheet of a, uh, a flip chart paper, but it was really detailed in terms of, and Craig and I was well being in that environment, but, um, you know, nine o'clock meet for the, for the bus. You need this, this, and this. This is the time we're getting on the plane. This is the time. And then just a, a normal training day where everything's laid out. You know, your towel's laid out, your slip's laid out, yeah. your, your, your yeah. flip-flop's laid out, to the point where I think there was a certain player, and I won't name him, but at, at, at Argyle, when there was a bill came through for the house, went to one of the club secretaries and said, can you, can you help me with this bill, pay this bill? Yeah. I really don't know. So then when that's taken away, that structure, then what's left, I suppose? I can only, I can only compare it, I'd imagine, and I, I, I can only sort of, I'm going on, an assumption here that it's very similar to people that leave the military. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously there's a lot talked about people who leave the military, isn't there? You know, and, and the struggles that they have. And I'm not saying going to war or anything like that is anything like playing football, but I imagine the chemical, the chemical release that goes on is probably very, very similar. And I, I found, I think it's true that you imagine that on a daily basis, you're getting that alpha male you know, you're in training, you're shouting, you're bawling, you're telling him he's a twat, you're an arsehole, fucking do this, do that, do that. You're in the moment, you're, you're, you're pumped. 
you go home, you then do it again the next day. Then once or twice a week, you're going into a stadium full of people who either like you or love you or hate you. And that's got obviously a, a chemical element and a, an effect on your body of adrenaline and everything else, you know. You stop that, it's probably like somebody who stops smoking or stops drinking, you know, that chemical release has stopped. Yeah. And I think, you know, the stats that, 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 that Mark referred to there are horrendous from addiction, divorce, you know, I think that all stems back to the fact that you're not getting that release, you know, and I quickly realised that I needed to exercise regularly, you know, to release those, those chemicals from my body, you know, and I found that I would kind of get into confrontation with people because I think I was almost looking for it to have that, that row, like, you know, that bit of argy-bargy that I was, I was used to having a training or in a match or, you know, telling a, a, a teammate to go away or whatever that might be, you know. The problem is that doesn't work in the real world. You know, your, your colleague in the office don't, don't like that too much. Like, do you know what I mean? You know, and I've personally struggled in my, in my post-football career by telling people straight, you know, because in the corporate world, they don't like it. They want you to talk all fluffy and uh, completely talk around the subject instead of talking directly about it. So this is the problem. Let's sort it out. Because in football, you have 15 minutes at half time. If you're 2-0 down, you've got to sort it out. And there ain't no time to be soft on people or, or sort of skirt around the edges, you know. And um, for me personally, that's been a real challenge, you know, because um, people in the real world don't like straight talking, I found, you know. So, um, nope, that's, it, that's HR it, email. Oh, Coming yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and HR, where I work, are on first name terms, you know. Um, but, you was you always, know, you was always a, you was always a good roommate, though, Reese. And I'm sure you'll continue well, to. There be. you go. You see, I you was never like that with me, me, right? <laughs> no, roomy, exactly. That was the thing, you know. But it was only four days a year, though, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, true, so, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> you never pissed in my shoes either, did you? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like say, it's um, you're onto a much wider subject here, aren't you? You know, and you could probably take a lot of time to go into more detail, but needs to do more I think clubs need to do more to support these young lads that are happy to give these contracts to at every level you know the PFA could probably do a little bit more you know they've got the funding and they've got the the, the vast wealth to do it you know and it's it's education it's it's empathy uh, and, and it's support isn't it you know and, and, and helping these lads kind of you know not be drowned by the bubble that they're in you know because it can soon burst you know in a yeah. moment it can burst you know and I think that's that's the danger with all of this, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I think I think again going back to to to, to us at Arsenal, I'm, I'm very fortunate at a time where um, we've got Per Mertesacker, who's who's who's, who's my boss, as an academy manager and um, World Cup winner. And I think if you come down from Mars and you met Per, you'd you'd never know that he'd even kicked a ball. Such is his humility. Um, drives a, a, a bog standard golf. Um, but just a humble man. But my point to all this is he's really big on education. We have a pillar in um, in um, our sort of philosophy, if you like, called lifelong learner. So the academy players that, um, that go through the system, and we, we, we have a lot of success with um, percentage of A-level results. I think we're probably the highest or second in the country with A-level results. I think if you look at Kairo Saka, um, nine A-stars, I think it was. But then also... Again, Reese, you'd have probably been in the era where you might have trained, you know, a couple of hours, 10 till midday, bit of lunch and off you went. Whereas, you know, Per with the younger boys is saying, you know, if you think you're going to do that, you've got another thing coming. You know, go and learn a language. 
go and do some work experience somewhere, go and find out about another department in the club, do something. So you yeah. find a lot of these boys now that are coming out, um, or sort of first year pros, second year scholars, um, that are able to speak other languages as well, that are going on to do degrees, because it's yeah. about um, challenging them as players, but developing them as people. But here's, here's a question for you though, do, 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 obviously that is fantastic, you know, and, and that's brilliant, isn't it? You know, but it, is that that's unique to Arsenal yeah. because, yeah, of, yeah. because of who well, they are and the, and the funding? Yeah, I, I, kind of... That's a good point, Reese. and I don't know if it's, if it's I can only speak for, for, for Arsenal and um, at the FA 10 years, but it wasn't sort of coaching teams as such. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one person that's driving it. They're his values. It's something that he's extremely passionate about. Um, so it seems to, to work for us. And it's it sort of coincides with what I'm about and um, mm. my beliefs as well. So it's important. Whether, whether all clubs are doing that, I, I, I don't know. Um, be lovely to be. They, they, they need to be, don't they? They, they, they need to be. That's, yeah. that's, that's what it boils down to, you know. Yeah, so have you seen, uh, is it Tamori, who's, um, I think he's on loan at AC Milan this year, isn't he? He's, he's gone out and like he's learned Italian. That now does his, his post-match interviews in like fluent Italian. Whether sure. that's something that the club have sort of yeah. put on him or if he's gone and done that himself. But yeah, it would, it would be pretty cool to see like if it was just, yeah, not, not sort of unique to a club, but just like it was just part of like almost a curriculum. To, yeah. to go and, and get this this further education. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think even 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 staff though as well, you know, even as a uh, me as a 46 year old man, it's it's about what else can I do? Knowing my own mental health and knowing that any sort of lulls or like Reese said, then you know, I've got to keep myself active. I know my body. I need to go to the gym. I need to keep fit. Um, I know as well I need to stimulate my brain all the time. You know, I've got um, June off, we shut down as an academy and I'm thinking, I need to find something to do. I need to find something, whether that is going on a secondment to another club and doing a bit of a recce or, or, or something, because I know how I work um, and I need that, that sort of stimulus um, to keep me going, whether that's an educational piece or, 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 or whatnot, I don't know, but um, that's me as an individual, yeah. But I think it's a really important point there, some really good stories there. It almost ties tied around nicely as, as to why we're, we're ultimately doing this game and, you know, to raise awareness around health and obviously raise some money for, for the mind the charity. So, um, yeah. Perhaps we could, um, perhaps maybe then just to lighten it before, you know, towards the end of this, that we maybe tell some of our favourite Chris Barker stories that maybe will Let's leave go. everybody on a slightly <laughs> lighter note because uh, we've got a bit deep there, haven't we? Like, do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, if I again, without trying to take over your steam, maybe I could ask Craig for his favourite <laughs> memory of Mr. Well, Barker uh, from one of our many uh, fantastic holidays away. Um, maybe they even limit it to one, but I'm just, I'm just trying to think of uh, ones I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. oh dear, oh dear. I mean, that's a really tough question, right? Because you're talking about sort of ten years of. Uh... Okay, well, I think I think I think a memory. Um, well, where do where do I start? I think I think. Look, when I think about Chris uh, and I think about our holidays, I think it always goes back to Cafe Benidorm. Benidorm, fake that. Um, 
Well, I actually remember, I think I think the one I'll always remember was, was our first trip in Albufeira and we went into a karaoke bar. And um, <laughs> Back for good. You know, back for good, <laughs> yeah. I think maybe Neil Diamond come later on with uh, Sweet Caroline. But, yeah. um, but look, I mean, it, 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 it was something that I think, you know, it was our first trip uh, away, um, you know, in Albufeira, in a karaoke bar, the whole bar's up singing. Uh, and, and for me, it just stood out as a really good night. Uh, you'll have to maybe come back to me, because I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a funny moment, because they sort of all merge into one with Barks, do you know what I mean? Sitting around the pool, like we said, with his sunglasses that were up here and down there and, and not wanting to move. But I think, I think maybe another funny one, or, 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 you know, certainly maybe that we'd appreciate more, Reese, is, is when you said about how he never wanted to move from the pool. Uh, and then we made the we made the mistake of going to Magaluf and we was all a bit old. Uh, and so obviously it's just up the road you've got Palmer. Um, and I think that's when we went up to I don't know. Uh, we did, didn't Valencia we? It was another trip, wasn't it? Another trip, yeah. But we um, another trip. We, but we, we went to Palmer, we, didn't we? Around the cathedral, and we dragged him around a cathedral in Palmer. Yeah. Oh, and, he did he, he'd been on a Sunday about an hour. Like, fucking you, that like, you know what I mean? You know, we're like, you need to go and have the old confession, mate. You get in there and have a clear your soul, like, you know what I mean? You know, and uh, oh, look at this lad. He's going. Can we go and get a beer. Like, come, that's a bit of culture. Look at these stained glass windows. Oh, yeah. fucking, we, you know, he's like, oh, fuck, you know, uh, you know. So he's, he's, that, he's that typical Brit, typical Brit abroad. He's got his t-shirt over his shoulder. <laughs> Bet you can't put your t-shirt on. We're in a we're in a holy place, like you know what I mean? <laughs> put your fucking t-shirt on, man. You know what I mean? No, it's hot, isn't it? Like, that, like you know, and all these monks think, are there, like like you know, oh, fuck, you know, you know. And I think we'd sat down outside for a drink, right? And obviously, me and Reese. Uh, being rumoured, I think we we both ordered like a gin and tonic or something, and a look on his face as if to say, "What is that?" You know, it's, if it's not a pint, it's not a drink, right? <laughs> That's kind of the way his mentality was. You know, what, what you're doing is like going back to what you're buying them sunglasses for. If you bought anything but a pint or a bottle of beer, it was you just get hammered for it. Um, but but yeah, dragging him around a cathedral while an hour before he was sitting on the sun lounger in the heart of Magaluf was uh, was quite funny. What about you? What's yours? Sorry, I lost you there. Was that me you talked to or was it Mark? I can't hear you. You, you Reese. you. Me. Either um, one of you. Either. <laughs> I know, I've started something because I'm trying to think of something myself, you know. But I'll jump, I'll jump in before you save yours yeah, to the on. end. For me, um, Look, I, I haven't been away with, um, with them. You guys have got some wonderful stories, but as a, as, as a head of community, when we're looking at getting uh, boys and girls interested in football, and as a club um, at Plymouth, as it was at the time, really reaching out to the heart of the community, bringing the club and the community closer together, Chris was just incredible for me. And it was at a time, and, 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 and Reese alluded to it then, um, you know, this... There was this 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 thing around professional footballers, and oh, I'm a pro footballer, and the wash bag under the arm, and the sort of not 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 uh, generalising, but this big time culture that just didn't wash with me at all. You know, and players would get fined if they didn't go out and sort of come out with me and do community visits. Um, the previous club to Plymouth that I was at, one player actually paid two hundred and fifty pounds, I think it was, as a fine, rather than coming out and doing a community event. So totally 
missed the point there. Um, but my point in all of this was Chris was my absolute go-to player. And a time when, don't forget, it was quite difficult to be able to approach the secretary or speak to the players and say, come out, because generally, and I am generalising, um, a lot, lot, lot of the players would, you know, it's a bit of a burden. Chris was my go-to. I'm talking school visits, primary schools, soccer schools, festivals, whatever it may be. He was the number one. Um, and that's my overriding memory of someone that um, I thought, you just get this. You get it. And I'm glad Craig mentioned at the start about the lifeguarding because I was a lifeguard and they were the stories that we would share. Um, and that's what sort of resonated with me, really. That sort of working class, you know, um, didn't probably make a pro through the conventional route, but actually worked beforehand and, and, and knew the value of, uh, of a pound coin. Um, and yeah, they're, they're my over, over, overarching memories of someone who, who really cared and, and wanted to do good with the community. I think just, sorry, Rich, I was just going to jump in before you end it on the, on the funny note, right? <laughs> and it's something I kind of wanted to, to, to get in. All, all the laughs and, and all the good times we had with Chris, um, uh, and all the, you know, stuffing closed down radiators and cups of teas and, and Lucas aids and pay. My experience of Chris, uh, and I obviously worked with him for a short time at QPR and I helped out a little bit when he was at Aldershot. Um, so I've sort of been in a couple of environments with him, football with him. Uh, and obviously knew him as a person was that he was a, an extremely dedicated pro. So outside of all of that kind of laughing and joking, he was a really good pro. And and I, I when we talk about these kids now that are in bubbles, um, because like Mark said, he hadn't gone on that conventional journey into football. Um, it stands out. I, I always remember a game um, and it, it was the reserves at QPR and, and we were playing against Hayes. Or it might have been Hayes or Hayes and Yedin. Um, and we lost the game, right? We lost the game. And we're talking about there was like a five-division gap. And I remember he went into the dressing room and he would have probably been maybe maybe the only senior pro in the squad. We would like It was like the under-18s and 23s. Just sad because and, he'd been bombed by Ian Darrier. Yeah, yeah he, he was looking yeah. at getting, getting out. Yeah, yeah. So it, it might have been either him or, or maybe one, one more, right? And he went in and it's the... He, he, he told a lot of home truths when we're talking about, you know, t telling home truths. And he went round individuals in that dressing room. And I'm talking, you know, a long time ago now, but it, it resonates with me because I think he was trying to do exactly that. He was trying to make sure that these lads kept on the level and didn't get carried away yeah. because by getting carried away, we'd gone to Hayes and we'd lost the game. Yeah. Um, and and I, I always remember that. And, and it's, you know, for, for all of the, the, the laughs and the jokes we had, when it come down to it, he, he was all about helping people and, and, and making sure that people, you know, stayed level-headed, you know, um, and, and he was a really good pro. Um, and I don't want to sort of go back down to, 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 to you know, where we were in, in quite a deep subject, but but I remember when I, I got the call to say, oh, you, you spoke to Chris, he hasn't turned up for football. Obviously, my initial thought wasn't anything to do with what actually happened. But the fact that he hadn't turned up for football on time, you knew that something was wrong. 
because you know I would I would put money on um, for his whole career he would have he would have been on time every time turned up been ready been prepared and, and, and was an all-round solid professional um, so it's really interesting that, that somebody that has decided to, to to do what he did in fact spent so much time trying to help other people keeping them on a, a straight and narrow path and keeping them really level and grounded uh, and I, I see him do a lot of that um, and I, I feel like I'm getting quite deep again um, but it, it's a little bit ironic you know that, that, that someone that's invested so much time in doing that um, you know ended up doing what he was doing but, but I think we've, we've probably touched on that enough don't don't you think though just as you're saying that I'm thinking about at the funeral um we were stood outside that um we were, we were at that church afterwards um in in the middle of uh, Sheffield wasn't it was it Sheffield we were in mm. rather yeah. Uh, yeah 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 and, 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 and obviously he was working at Forest Green at the time when he passed away um and I remember just standing there and seeing the Forest Green youth team players that he'd obviously been coaching and these kids were in bits these kids were just like, and it, that probably his daughter on that day. It was his daughter that was stood just in front of Craig and I in the in the in the church, and then afterwards seeing these young footballers there, just beside themselves, you know. And you just think, you know, he has affected these lads. You know what I mean? They've got it. They they've got it here. That. And I know how he would have treated them. He would have, they, they wouldn't have got away with anything. You know what I mean? And he told me some stories that, you know, he'd have them cleaning the, the minibus and all this sort of stuff, you know, because it had to be right. But even after all of that, these kids were absolutely devastated on that day, you know. And, and it, I wanted to go over and put my arm around them myself, but they didn't have any clue who I was. So it would probably wouldn't have counted for a great deal, you know. And I remember, and I remember Chris's brother sort of gather them all to, do you remember this Craig he sort of gathered them all together yeah, yeah. I don't know what he said I couldn't hear what he was saying you know and, and, and that for me was the moment I thought Christ like do you know what I mean you know this is this is on another level like do you know what I mean you know and um, I, I think, think I think um, the, yeah sorry go on. sorry sorry I know I was going to say I mean I, I only have had a very brief conversations with Richie's brother in the aftermath of what happened uh, and for me, I, I think what you've mentioned there, Chris, I think it's got to be got to be said that you know Richie had had come out of there. He'd obviously just sort of laid his brother to rest, and the first thing he did and thought of was to gather that group of young lads around and have a chat with them. How he did it, I, I don't know, but but you know, just just unbelievable um, awareness um, and. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Richie deserves a, a mention for that because it, it it couldn't have been easy. But but what what a thing to have done to, to walk out and the first thing to do is is, is gather a, a bunch of lads around because he would have been well within his right to to get in the car and, and get himself home, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I can't I can't, hear you, I can't really hear you that well, Farms. Yeah. So that again, well, well sorry. I heard that anyway. Sorry, says a lot about his family. Lost you again. There. You still know, I, I think he said it probably says quite a lot about the whole family that that Richie yeah. was. Yeah, was I, still you able know, to I think hundred percent. You know, I think that um, you got this sense that 
there was a very, very strong family bond within Chris's family. Um, both of his parents had passed. And I, I personally think that was a lot to do with it. You know, I think that the loss of his, of his mother and his father um, was, was, a, was a deep rooted thing with him, you know, that perhaps we weren't fully aware of as to the depth of that, the depth of that within Chris. Um, but every, everything that he stood for, I think had been long ingrained in him uh, by his family. Every summer, you know, he would go to Brighton to spend some time with, with his brother, Richie, and their, their, their family and his daughter. Um, and that was, a, that was, a, that was a, a, an annual thing that they would do. Um, and just try and take it back. I don't know if you remember, I mean, he obviously wore the ring, didn't he? It was his dad's uh, signet ring that he wore on his, on his little finger. And there's two. No, this is my. Yeah. This, this is a, this is a, this is a my personal favourite, but it's a story. That, so there was a story that we got told, and, and Mark might know this, but he was playing at Plymouth, and um, uh, you may be aware that referees do checks of players before you go out onto the pitch in the tunnel that you're not wearing rings or earrings and all oh, this. This, and this, this, ref. this isn't. This isn't the story. Oh, we'll go no, to another one. Not, oh, the okay, other story is right. coming in a minute. Oh, but right, okay. Yeah, yeah. But this this ring, the ref went. You can't wear that, and he's gone. Well, I'm not fucking taking it off. And he went. Well, you can't wear it. Well, he went. I'll tape it. No, you've got to take it off. And he went. I can't get it. It was on his finger. I think it was his little finger. He wore it on. Um, I can't get it off. So our friend Simon Walton, who was playing with Chris at Plymouth at the time, they they hacksawed off this ring before the game, and he literally nearly took his finger. And I know what he was like. He was so slapdash, generally. I could just see him now with his hacks on his <laughs> ring on his finger, like, you know, and he had to cut the ring off before the game and probably, yeah. you know, and apparently nearly took the finger off with it, like, you know. But anyway, um, we were then, this was in the, I think this was in the Canary Islands when we went to the Canary Islands on our on holiday. And we were, we, you know, you're in a pool and they do like, right, this afternoon we're doing water polo. Who wants to play water polo? Do you remember this, don't you? And yeah, yeah, we've yeah, all yeah. gone, yeah, we'll play water polo. <laughs> So we're playing water polo and the natural competitive nat footballer in us came out. So we're playing, it's getting a bit feisty with these, obviously there's obviously all these other guys there who think they're a bit fucking like, you know, and then we're like crashing into the water, trying to grab the ball <laughs> and, and we're all playing this game. I don't even know who won, like, but it got a bit, you know, it gets a bit like near the edge, like, you know, there's normal guys there not with your party you're nearly coming to blows with them a lot of anyway, testosterone flying about yeah oh, lots <laughs> of it yeah a bit of drink mixed in as well like, you know <laughs> and we, the game finishes and he's like fucking hell my ring and, and he went mad didn't he like he was like yeah, possessed yeah. like do you know what I mean yeah. he, this yeah. ring obviously meant a great deal to him so you yeah. can understand where this was coming his, his, his father who's sadly no longer with him at the time or no longer with us so you imagine then he, the whole pool was stopped he has managed to convince the whole resort to look for this ring so everybody's like feeling with their hands and their feet on the floor of this pool looking for this ring and the guy goes here he's like he got it he was like, like, like you know <laughs> and he's the rings back on and he was happy you know but for that five minute period he was not happy at all like was he yeah. he was not, yeah. not a happy bunny and i think there was water aerobics about an hour later and just carried on from there didn't we <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But um, my one of my favourite one of my favourite favourite memories was from Craig's wedding um, back in um, when was it 2018? 
Oh, you, you can't ask me that. I can't remember myself. Yeah, it was yeah, 2018. Yeah. What yeah. date was it? <laughs> date in June, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, think it was, um, I think it was June, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> we've, um, you know what I'm going to say here, don't you? And yeah. um, we've come up the night before. The wedding was in Windsor. Lovely affair. Craig's beautiful wife, who's about to give birth. Um, lovely lady. Great, happy occasion. We stayed at a relative of Craig's house down on the outskirts of Windsor. So, get up in the morning have a bit of breakfast, right, let's get ready. And typical Barks, he'd been and bought a suit. So he'd been into Cardiff, got into Moss Bros, bought himself a suit. Yeah, got a new suit, really proud of himself, got this new suit, brand new shirt in the packet. He was just going to shake it out and put it on as he would always do, like, you know. So anyway, he puts these suit trousers on and uh, like, what? Hang on a minute, you fucking twat. The fucking safety tag's still on it. But this safety tag was literally where his ass was, right in the middle of his. And I've got, I've just found the pictures we've been talking. I don't know if you can see that. But can you yeah, see where the that. safety tag yeah, was, yeah. right in the middle of his ass? So we're, we're going off to the wedding in, in uh, the middle of Windsor Town Hall, and he's got the safety tag on this suit trousers, like that. Like, you know, we're absolutely battering them. I've even got a video there of him with his safety tag in the middle of his ass like that. Look. And we're walking up. So I don't know if you know oh. Windsor particularly well, but on Windsor <laughs> High Street is Moss Bros. So we've had to go into Moss Bros. He's had to convince the guy in Moss Bros that he hasn't stolen the suit off the shelf, <laughs> like, you know, in Moss Bros. And he's asking this guy to take the safety tag uh, out of his ass on these trousers. So he's stood in the middle of Moss Bros with no trousers on, his socks and pants and a suit jacket and shirt. Saying, excuse me, mate, can you take the, the safety tag out of this like, you know? And um, <laughs> this guy's looking uh, at him like, what, what is going on here? Like, do you know what I mean? You know, but um, yeah. He didn't yeah, have much luck was... with that though, because I it leads me on to because when we're talking about your wedding now, and uh, yeah. Reese had, I mean, obviously, I, I now live in Dubai, right? So, so Reese had said, right, you need to go to a, a Mossbrot in Dubai and now measure you and now send everything across to, to, to this end and, and, Sparks had done the same. And so the morning of the wedding, we haven't tried, tried our suits on. We're like, get it in our room. Mine is nowhere near fitting me. It's just, and I'm like, obviously one of Reese's ushers, as was Barks. Barks rings me, lads, your suit fit you? I went, nowhere near. He went, no, nah, nor does mine. And I just remember we had to get in the car at like 8.30 in the morning and drive down to the Moss Bros in... Um, must have been Bournemouth, right? Bournemouth yeah, High Street. Bournemouth, yeah. Waiting for the shop to open. To say that we've got a wedding in a couple of hours and our suits don't fit us. So they eventually like sort of matched a few. I think I had a slightly different set of trousers to, to buy. Anyway, but but so yeah, he never really had any luck with, with weddings and suits, right? Because uh, he nearly didn't have one for your wedding either. But, but yeah, funny memories. No, brilliant. Yeah, multiple, multiple, multiple stories, you know, but it, everything he did, there was no malice in anything he did, you know, he was never horrible to anybody, you know, um, it, it, you know, even if he was sort of taking the mickey out of somebody, it wasn't done in a nasty way, it was done in a way that they knew that he was sort of joking and that it was meant with the best of intentions, you know, so um, not, not, a, not a mean bone in his body, but you crossed him, you didn't do it right or you took the piss, he, he, he would certainly let you know very, very quickly, you know, so. Yeah. No, um, well, unfortunately, I think we've lost Farms on the mic. He's just messaged me and said, doesn't think his mic is working. So, um, yeah, I think we'll 
you know, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Thank you guys for um for delving into what is um obviously a very deep subject. And um, mm. but on the flip side of that, thank you for sharing some uh some much more happier times. And um, yeah, I think all I would say is look, you know it'd be great to fill that stadium, you know, as many people as they can, if they could just buy the tickets, they're doing it for a great cause. Hopefully all the guys that are there are giving up their own time to sort of try and do something a little bit special, you know, and it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to get a group of players together in the off season, you know, either whether they're still playing or not playing anymore, you know, so it'd be fantastic. I think just that I think the South end fans in general, sorry, I've just dropped my earbud. Um, have been absolutely fantastic. My my respect level for the South and community and the supporter base is, is in the aftermath of Chris's passing was absolutely fantastic, you know. And it would be lovely to people to go there and for us as his friends to show our appreciation to them. Uh, and if any way they could come out of their way to come and support that game on that day, and hopefully we can then sort of make a bit of a, a difference to to people perhaps who are in a similar position to where Chris found himself on that night. And, and yeah. wasn't able to sort of reach out to to, to anybody to try and help him. No. Yeah, that's no, brilliant. And Reese, if you're all right with that, we'll we'll clip that a little bit and we'll we'll post that to, to try and drum up a few more sales on the on the ticket yeah. front. If you're if you're cool for us to do that, no problem. Brilliant. Yeah, as sure. I say, f- f- thank you guys for your time. Um, really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. No, I really appreciate Thanks, it too. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Brilliant. All right. Well, yeah. So that was the. Uh, the chat for the game for Barks. I mean, absolute top credit to him three. Uh, didn't have didn't have to do that. They they you know we asked them if they wouldn't mind taking part and they they you know they jumped straight on the, the opportunity. So um a really crap subject to talk about really in that sense. But but equally I think they done they you know, I think they enjoy talking about it and you know it went a bit deep sometimes but there was you know there's some good stories there and, and, a, and a good message. Yeah, definitely. I think certainly um, massive credit to Reese because um, Reese was at a stage where he was basically asking us to do the the episode again, wasn't he? And, and he and he got the other two guys involved. So yeah, definitely. Um, listen, of course, it's always going to be a deep subject, um, but you know, I think it, uh, I think the three of them did well to to bring it back round at times to some happier memories. Um, you know, we've we've had some laughs in there as well. So I think just just in closing, once again, the um, the tickets for the game are available um, via the Shrimpers Trust website. The QR code to take you directly to that link is now on the poster. So it's really easy to find. It's £5 for adults, £1 for under-16s. Um, yeah, as I say, the game is a 3pm kickoff on Saturday the 28th of May. And um, yeah, let's do what what Reese, how Reese put it, let's make it a make it a celebration for, I think, just a really good bloke. You know, I don't think you'll meet anyone that's got a bad word to say about him. Tragic end to his life, um, and as they said, they're never going to get the answers. But yeah, on the twenty eighth of May, let's let's make it a real celebration. Yeah, well said. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.